Oh my god, what's that? Dude, oh my god. Oh my god. It's It's the Horror Comedy Podcast with Jake and Haley. Get out of my face. Anyway. It's the Horror Comedy Podcast. <laughs> I'm leaving some of that. Happy 420! Uh, happy 420! This is a surprise bonus episode of the Horror Comedy Podcast. I'm Haley, that's Jake, and this is the only podcast where we smoke weed, and I try to scare you with a true scary story. Your role here, Jake, is just to be curious, ask questions, have fun, make jokes. And get high. And get really, really high. And at the end, we'll see if I scared you. It's 420. You, listener, left nugs and water out, and I climbed down your chimney to bring you this. Well, what are we smoking? This is mac and cheese from Vivid. It's a hybrid. Love it. Good. It's good. I feel silly. I have the giggles. Science. Science, baby. I'm also taking a dab. You know what? I should have taken an edible for this, but I'm saving them because we're recording this before 420. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saving them for 420. And I have to. I got to work on 420. <laughs> Today I'm going to tell you a story about a lesbian icon. A really cool woman who did something huge historically for the cannabis community. Back before women had the right to vote, let alone be out of the closet publicly. And before they were allowed to smoke weed. Before they were allowed to smoke weed. Yeah. Alice Tokles was a cigarette... Tokles? Sm- yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, all right. You know, it's always the people with cool names that do something extraordinary. Oh, hell yeah. Hell in the, yeah. At least in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. Alice Toklas was a cigarette-smoking, mustache-having, piano-playing spinster who refused <laughs> to conform, even under intense pressure. And legend has it, she's still around, even today. If you say her name three times in a mirror, she appears. In the bong. Yeah. <laughs> <If> you, <laughs> she comes out like a genie. If you rub your bong, she yeah. pops out. Yeah. What do you want? How's it going? Spits on you. Alice Babette Toklas was born April 30th, 1877, in San Francisco, California. Home of where weed was invented. Really? I know. I don't think so. Her family was Polish and Jewish. Her dad, Fievel Toklas, and her... Fievel. Fievel? Fievel? I hope it's Fievel. Okay, Fievel. Which our next dog will be named Fievel. That's a cute little name. And her mom, Amelia Levinsky, had her and her brother they Clarence. They went west. They went Bible west. Goes west. Yeah, he did, interestingly enough. Um, it was her and her brother Clarence. Her father, Fievel, had created a successful business in Seattle, Washington. He formed half of Toklas Singerman & Co., which became Seattle's most popular dry goods and clothing store. The one, you know? The one where all the kids went on the Friday night. Let's go to the Tigerman Sigerman Company Co. For some reason, they have heroin and soda. They have really? everything. Well, that's how stores were back then. Hooting ain't a good time. For some reason, soda fountains were always at pharmacies, and you could also get, like, crack or whatever. Sick. Yeah. They were hugely successful and rapidly expanded to have six stores and offices. They had 100 employees and were well-known for being the most professional business in the city. Damn. Yeah. They were the first people to be like... Time card people. Yeah, probably. Here's a picture of where his business was. This is the business district of Seattle at the time. Business, business. What are those guys talking about on the rail down there? Business. business. Definitely. He would commute between San Francisco and Seattle. 
Car, boat, horse, buggy? Train? Train. Train. Mm. June 6, 1889, around 2 p.m. The Claremont and Company cabinet shop, a few stores down from Fievel's store. John Back was working. He was slaving over dusty carpentry benches. 24-year-old Swede worked with great haste and with great speed. Comes not so great accuracy sometimes. He tipped over a pot of glue. Oh, shit. That's not, I mean, that's not good, right? It's not good. Yeah, glue. I didn't know, I, okay, I didn't he know this. He glue himself to something. Okay, all right, not where I thought you were going to go. So it turns out that when industrial glue, like wood glue or super glue, dries and settles, the chemical reactions that cause the glue to be super produce heat. That's why if you drop nail glue or super glue on cotton, it can actually lay on fire. I never knew that. Okay. I didn't know that either. And I had like a puff jacket, uh-huh. like a puff vest. Yeah. Susie, she's like, oh, if you put super glue on it, it'll close up the hole. More, no more feathers will come out. Okay. I did that, and I started seeing smoke. And I was no like, way. What the fuck? I'm no like, way. Yeah, I swear to God, it was in the office at Strawberry Fields, and I was like, what the fuck? that is so crazy. Yeah. So you almost got God. And I was just like, how the fuck did that happen? Now I know. I had no idea. I didn't know that either. And that's so crazy that in your mind, that's just been like a mystery yeah, <laughs> till uh, just now. In the back. <laughs> just don't think about it again. <laughs> okay, well, that's what happened. And that's what happened on June 6, 1889, when John knocked over the pot of glue in the carpentry factory. The fire spread quickly to the turpentine and wood chips all over the floor. God damn it, John. Keep your station clean. God damn it, John. Not professional. Not professional at all. This is why... The other business was the most professional in the city. Because oh, this guy's just drunk as fuck, spilling glue all over the place. Fucking turpentine <laughs> and booze all over. John threw water on the fire, which made it get bigger. The fire department arrived by 2.45, but it was too late. The smoke was too thick to glue see. Glue everywhere. There was goo everywhere. <laughs> the smoke was too thick to even see where it was coming from. The fire engulfed all nearby buildings and became the most destructive fire in Seattle's history. Oh, damn. A nearby liquor store exploded. Before long, the fire spread two blocks. Then it reached the boardwalk, which was easy tender for the boys. Oh, shit. And it spread to all the other blocks. And all of Seattle was burning within one hour. Oh, shit. Not my six locations. Oh, my six locations! <laughs> <laughs> my hundred employees! God, no. I mean, yeah, them too. Oh, those two, I guess. My dry goods! My dry goods and apparel! <laughs> Fire hydrants were connected to small pipes and located about every other block, which the firefighters all ran to. And as each fire hydrant was turned on, the water pressure got lower and lower until the water was not able to reach the flames. Dummies. It was not enough. By the next morning, 25 blocks burnt down. That included all of their wharves and railroad terminals. Wharves? Wharves. 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 The last was valued about... 20 million, which would be 700 million today. Here's a photo of. Show me the carnage. After. It's the National Guard standing in front of it. The whole city is leveled. It's wow. so smoky. Good work, boys. Good one, guys. <laughs> you, you, st- you stopped them. <laughs> Actually, the worst employees ever because what is. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's gone. Teen- These guys left good work. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. So you'll still be there, right? In 1890, the family made the move to Seattle to keep a closer eye on the business. They settled in the First Hill neighborhood. Alice was 13. The Toklas family lived in First Hill, Seattle for two years. There was a mansion in the neighborhood that had a pet bear that lived on the roof. Mm, crazy if it... What? Mm. On the roof? Mm-hmm. 
It was the best two years of Alice's life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know. Like, that would keep it. That would keep me away from the house. Maybe that's their alarm system. No, it was a pet. Yeah. I feel like they would let people go the up roof? there. Mm-hmm. It's very it's... Victorian. The Victorians love their roots and their bears. Very relaxed neighborhood. I'm confused, man. That's wouldn't it be I need so? To lit? See the rooftop. You could go buy drugs and have a bear on your roof. Hey, man, you want to see my bear? My crack bear? Yeah, we're rich as fuck. We can do whatever we want. We what? just burnt the city down. Yes. yes. I got a bear. I rebuilt my mansion <laughs> yeah. even bigger. Alice attended the University of Washington and majored in piano. And her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Yeah. So she played the piano. Very sadly. Sadly. Like that. The doctors in Seattle... Oh. <laughs> Did you like that? The doctors in Seattle were able to diagnose the cancer, and they recommended a surgery to remove the mass. Um, what year is it? Eighteen. Yeah, get fucked. <laughs> I'll, take the, I'll take the cancer. Uh, they tried to remove the mass surgically, and the surgery must have gone really, really bad because not only yeah, yes, because they literally packed her up and took her to a doctor in San Francisco. They moved all the way back to San Francisco. They were like, we don't even want to pick from these pool of doctors anymore because you guys suck ass. And they took her back to San Francisco, but at that point, it was just too late. And in 1897, Amelia passed away. Amelia did all the cooking, all the entertaining, all the cleaning, all necessary upkeep for the house. And Alice was the only woman left in the home. So. (laughs) So she quickly found herself. It's her job. Yes. She quickly found herself shoehorned into the unfilled, unwanted position. When her Seattle friends came to visit her, they said she was a ghost of her former self. Ouch. Yeah. But she never stopped playing piano. She had a bachelor's degree, and she was really, really talented. There was this... And then when did she start smoking weed? Because that's when all this stuff's going to probably come to a stop and be like, oh, she was so talented, and then she started smoking weed. And then she started doing gateway drugs. Gateway drugs, then she... Murdered a bunch of orphans. There was a composer named Franz Liszt. He's one of the most influential composers of the 1800s. Oh, yeah, Franz. Mm-hmm. You know the one? You love him. Yeah. He's your favorite romantic era composer. Yeah. You've said that Top the whole time. Top one on my list. Yeah, you've always said that. He mentored this fellow named Otto Bendix, which is also a funny name. Otto Benderdix. Otto Do Bendix. And <laughs> he wanted to mentor Alice. So she took... Uh... You feeling so it's it's okay. Okay. Yeah. She ended up taking the mentorship. She got some concerts. She had oh. to go to Seattle. She was like on a fucking Whoa, piano she's on tour. tour. Like a piano she's on rock tour. star. She killed it. She did a great job. She was super ambitious. But then Otto died. Fuck. So did Alice's career. Oh part of her died that day too. Damn. That was it's sad, huh? Really sad, yeah. I can't really sad. fucking did me like that. I'm so sorry. She went back to her life of taking care of men in her house. In yeah. 1907, her and her very close, very platonic, totally just friends, female friend, decided to go on a totally platonic vacation to Paris together non-romantically. Lies. She arrived in Paris September 8th, 1907, and she set her eyes on this woman named Gertrude Stein. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wee oui, wee oui is right. Her jaw dropped to the floor. Her eyes turned into hearts and popped out of her sockets. Her tongue rolled out of her mouth like a big red carpet, and she yelled, Aouga. Aouga. 
Some lesbian drama did ensue after that. In her biography, Alice said, It was Gertrude Stein who would hold all my attention. And that's so romantic, I think. They went on a date the next day, and Alice was a few minutes late. In her biography, she wrote that Gertrude was a, quote, vengeful goddess. Oh, God. So a little bit of drama there. She was like, you don't love me. You don't fucking love me. You're late. I had to eat my croissant by myself. Wee <laughs> But the date was not ruined. As they walked together, they fell in love. They had many things in common. They both loved art. They had both lost their mothers to cancer. Oh, man. All the girly things. All the girly things. Gertrude was a writer whose work deeply inspired Alice. Alice even started to write. She moved in with Gertrude and she took care of the house. She loved to cook. And she loved well, Why was she complaining about it when she had to do it for a man? Huh? Because men are stinky and they she fart a lot. Probably never said thank you. <laughs> it's just different. Um, do you want to know what her most famous recipe is? Macaroni and cheese. No, it has to do with 420. Nachos. No. Brownies? What kind of brownies? Weed brownies? Shut yes. the fuck up. Hell yeah, yes. girl. Yes. So when later in life she had to make money, she wrote <laughs> cookbooks and she would go Deal, and dealt drugs. She would tell her recipes and she would even tell people how to grow weed, what kind of weed worked better. When did she get into the weed? She learned about it in Paris and she just started to grow it. Fuck yeah, dude. And she actually recommended sativa for the pot brownies and she... Well, even in this interview, she says, oh, you only need a little bit. And I actually have this interview of her from 1960. She goes on the radio and tells this recipe. She has a really super unique voice. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to play it. That way you could skip it if you don't want to hear it. But it's really interesting. I think it's worth a listen. And she was the first person to write down the pot brownie recipe and tell you how to grow weed and tell you what to do to make the fucking brownies she published it in a book, and like I said, she went on the radio with it. She was the first person. Damn, and guess who it was? A female. A Jewish lady. So fucking cool. A gay Jewish woman. So cool. Got him. They raised dogs together. Oh. They were happy together. They stayed together. They wrote biographies together. Here's a picture of them in their poodle basket. Aren't they sweet? Yeah, she got her mustache. She has a mustache. It's thick. Is she what? wearing a man's hat, too? She did not give a fuck. She didn't give a fuck. She hey. looks high as fuck. She definitely she was. She's stone to the fucking bone. She used hash a lot. In nice. 1946, Gertrude died, just like their mothers, of cancer. Oof. Alice lived 20 more years without her. This is where I started crying when I was reading about this. <laughs> Here's her when she got older. Here's her mustache. I would love to get a coffee with her and just listen to her talk. Get it edible with her yeah she protected gertrude's legacy she oversaw the publication of gertrude's work mm. she defended it whenever it came under fire she yeah, fuck are you yeah she explained and answered any questions that anybody ever had gertrude's will ensured that alice would be well taken care of but because their union was not legally recognized gertrude's relatives were able to make sure that that wasn't honored fuck Alice wrote some books and some cookbooks to support herself, but she suffered many health problems and was poor. Alice died March 7th, 1967. Sorry. It's okay. How old is she? She's really old. She was impoverished and alone in a small apartment in Paris. She was buried next to Gertrude in, um... 
<laughs> so romantic. Oh. She was buried next to Gertrude Stein in Paris Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France. She had Gertrude's name engraved on the back of her headstone. <laughs> um, oh my god. Here's a picture of it. Oh my god. Back in Seattle, her once home was demolished and in its place, the Sorrentino Hotel was built in 1909. Here's a picture of it when it was first built. And here's it today. Ooh. The Hotel Sorrento. I think I keep calling it Sorrentino, like Mike the Sorrentino situation <laughs> from Jersey Shore, but it's the Hotel Sorrento. That style of architecture is called Italian Oasis. It's a well-traveled place, an artistic place, where many writers, poets, and musicians gathered. A fictional version is actually featured in The Last of Us 2. And at this hotel, they have an annual Alice B. Toklas dinner where they cook her recipes and celebrate her life as well as talk about the last time they saw her. One important... has fuck, too. They probably do. <laughs> this is a weed to dinner. This should be. One employee started as a manager at the hotel, but now works remotely in New York in marketing. She said, The first week I started at the Hotel Sorrento in 2019, I was going up for something, and the elevator just stopped on the fourth floor, and no one was there. Doors opened, and then the doors closed, and it moved on to the sixth floor. Now, the same thing happened yesterday. I was coming down to get coffee from the fifth floor, which is where I'm staying, and the fourth floor doors opened, closed, and then went on. So I'm like, oh, Alice, you're just saying hello and welcome back. Alice can most frequently be seen in the garden. Oh, shut up. Wearing so a little hat. this place now? Yes. Wearing a little hat and a matching fur overcoat. Smoking a joint. Smoking a fucking joint, eating a pot brownie. Oh, yeah. One guest was visiting the hotel with her husband on vacation. The first night there, she drifted off to sleep and woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of the door closing. She realized her husband got out of bed and had just snuck out of the room, and she figured, oh, he's just grabbing something real quick, no big deal. But as minutes turned into hours, she fell back asleep. She woke up in the morning to the sound of her husband in the shower, and he was acting like he never left the room. All right, crazy. The vacation continued that way, with her husband acting strange and disappearing for periods of time with no explanation. Sneaky. Things were getting tense. Cheaty. Then, one night, the woman was woken up in the middle of the night by banging on her wall. Oh. It scared her terribly, and she started screaming, and she jumped up. She ran out of the hotel room and into the hall. To her surprise, the knocking switched to the opposite wall and moved away from her, down the hall, all the way down to where it sounded like it was coming from one specific door. What was happening? So she watched, and she just listened. And she heard two people screaming. It was it sounded like a man and a woman screaming inside the room that the knocking was coming from. And the door flies open, and out comes her man and his whore. And she thought it was Alice looking out for her, like knocking on her, oh, leading her to where the cheating was happening. I knew, yeah, that sounded real suspicious. Yeah, like, yeah, mean, yeah, real fucking suspicious. Yeah, real fuck boy like. She also plays the piano. And I see her a lot just wandering the hall. Glad to see the neighbor's home. Yeah, the diesel. (laughs) The diesel's on. The haunting is never sinister, Jake, but you know I have to ask anyway. Are you scared? I would like to go there. Me too. Me too. Alice seems so fucking cool. Yeah, she seems pretty chill. Yeah. I would like to leave pot brownies and milk out for her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they do all kinds of weird shit. Like, all of their love letters were published in a book, which I think is so sweet. And... 
but it's like all of the really intimate details, like their stupid little pet names for each other, are also published. What are their pet names? It's like it's like Mama Jibbins and Baby Jibbins. It's literally so embarrassing. And um, Mama Jibbins. At this, it's so, it's not literally Mama, but it's something like that. At this hotel, they'll do these little things where they try to summon her, and they have a mask of Gertrude, and they'll put the mask up and chant the pet name for Alice. Fuck, fuck <laughs> no. That, that sounds bad. That sounds like they're summoning the demon. They are. They're literally like, that's like seance shit. No, thank you. I don't oh, my that. God. I'm going to let Alice play us out. Here's her famous pot brownie recipe on the radio in that interview I talked about earlier. Um, her voice has been described as sounding like a viola, and I agree. Check it out, and don't forget to drink water, and happy 420. Don't forget to drink water. Have happy 420. Brownie. Have a pot brownie for Alice. Blaze, 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 blaze. The recipe for hashish fudge was given me by Brian Geisen, which anyone could wish up on a rainy day. This is the food of paradise, a Baudelaire's artificial paradise. It might provide an entertaining refreshment for a ladies' bridge club or a chapter meeting of the DAR. In Morocco, it is thought to be good for warding off the common cold in damp winter weather and is, indeed, more effective if taken with large quantities of hot mint tea. Euphoria and brilliant storms of laughter, ecstatic reveries, an extension of one's personality on several simultaneous planes are to be complacently expected. Almost anything Santa Teresa did, you can do better if you can bear to be ravished by an evanouissement réveillé. Take one teaspoon black peppercorn, one whole nutmeg, four average sticks of cinnamon, one teapot coriander. These should all be pulverized in a mortar. About a handful each of stoned dates, dried figs, shelled almonds, and peanuts. Chop these and mix them together. A bench of cannabis sativa can be pulverized. This alone with the spices should be dusted over the mixed fruit and nuts, kneaded together. About a cup of sugar dissolved in a big pat of butter, rolled into a cake and cut into pieces or made into balls about the size of a walnut. It should be eaten with care. Two pieces are quite sufficient. Obtaining the cannabis may present certain difficulties, but the variety known as cannabis sativa grows as a common weed, often unrecognized everywhere in Europe, Asia, and parts of Africa, besides being cultivated as a crop from the manufacture of rope. In the Americas, while often discouraged, its cousin called cannabis indica has been observed even in city window boxes. It should be picked and dried as soon as it has gone to seed while the plant is still green. The recipe was innocently included without my realizing that the hashish was the uh, 
accented part of the recipe. <laughs> and that I was shocked to find that America wouldn't accept it because it was uh, too dangerous. Well, this was uh, an offense to the American eye and the American thought because they were afraid they were up against the law. And so my publisher wired to Washington and asked the administration if it were possible to use such a recipe. When it appeared, there'd been an, uh, an outcry. Uh, the uh, magazines took it up. And he got us an answer from Washington. You may do anything you please except eat it. That is forbidden by law. You may grow it, you may manufacture it, but you may not, and may not sell it, you may not eat it. Brian Geisen himself wired me and said, what are we doing about this? And I said, I'm doing nothing, what can you do? I was shocked to find that it was hashish. <laughs> I thought it was just uh, a joke of his. And he said, well, something should be done. And so he wired to the uh, editor, who paid no attention to him. He said it was too late, later in conversation. So that was that. It never went into the American edition. The English are braver. We're not courageous about that sort of thing. <laughs>